Welcome friends, I am Cindy Thompson and this is a Resilience Project. This is a space where stories are shared and possibilities are discovered. I invite you to partner with me in cultivating resilience among humans, one conversation at a time. Today I am speaking with Supreme Amolo all the way from Nairobi, Kenya. Supreme is the program manager of Clean Start Kenya. Clean Start is an organization that helps women and girls transition back into society after being in prison or juvenile detention. Supreme shares her story of having been imprisoned herself for being unable to pay her debts and sheds light on the desperate plight of women, girls, and children she has met behind bars. It was after serving time at the remand section of Langata Women's Maximum Security for six months that Supreme met Teresa and George, founder of Clean Start Kenya. Supreme is not only helping to empower women and girls while imprisoned, but also developing programs to coach them in their transition back into the community. Supreme and her team also work with prison officers in developing empathy towards inmates, while also facilitating rehabilitation for their eventual release. Since being imprisoned in 2014, Supreme has received training at Resurgo Trust London on coaching for leadership and was selected for the Global Change Leaders Program at St. Xavier University in Canada, 2020. All right, Supreme, I'm so pleased to have you here with us today. It feels like truly an honor to be interviewing you all the way from Nairobi, Kenya. And we are talking about your role as a manager with the Clean Start Kenya program. Can you tell us what the program is about and how it got started? Okay, so the program that we are running in Kenya, we are calling, we are running two programs. One is, uh, we are calling them the circles of healing, uh, that are peer-led spaces for women who have been through uh, incarceration and are trying to rebuild their lives post-imprisonment. So a safe space, peer-led spaces where women can share their stories without feeling ashamed, without feeling victimized or, um, a space to heal from the trauma that they experienced while they were serving time in prisons. And we also have um, what we are calling the tables of support. And the tables of support also are peer-led spaces where women support each other to grow businesses. We invest in them, giving them seed capital, and they support each other to start small businesses in the circle, they act as each other's accountability partners. We also have coaches and mentors who support them to run the, the small businesses that they have started. Fantastic. One of the protective factors for resilience is be able to be there to support those women who have been incarcerated, but also having that support when they're getting out of prison. It's very important that you have a support system around you. Because one of the things that happen when women don't have that support system, we have women who have left prison and have committed suicide, women who have left prison, but because there are no people who have, have uh, gone through the same journey or are willing to support each other as they are, end up going to do uh, whatever they know best, going back to their criminal activities and they wind right back into prison. So that support system is truly important for for us as an organization, yeah. I bet. And Supreme, would you mind sharing with our listeners 
how you came to get involved and maybe a little bit about your story, about your experience of having gone to prison yourself. I will share a little bit about what made me go to prison. So in 2013, I actually found myself in a financial crisis. And this was after my husband had been diagnosed with a heart disease. And I tried to, as a woman, tried to find ways and means to be able to support my family. Unfortunately, I ended up um, into debt because I borrowed some money from a friend to be able to do some business uh, together. And due to the medical bills that my husband had, I had borrowed from many people and uh, that I was really struggling in debt and I was really actually drowning in debt. I tried to do everything possible to make sure that uh, my family is supported, that uh, my child is taken care of and um, that really didn't work out, work out. So one of the people I owed, I struggled to make sure that they are paid their 200,000 out of the 300,000, 200,000 was paid back to one of the debtors. So I had his balance of 100,000. I ended up in the, in the police house. Wow. I tried to negotiate with the police and the worst mistake I ever did was the first 10,000 I gave this man, uh, the police officer. He always came back for more. And finally, I just got tired. And when I got tired, I said, let whatever come may, I was ready to, to pay off and, and work it out with this, with this man that I owed. Uh, we went to a lawyer, we wrote, uh, we had an agreement together and I was supposed to pay him back the 100,000 when I, 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 I got it. Unfortunately, I lost my husband and after losing my husband, I lost everything that I had at that time. When my brother-in-law withdrew uh, the bond, I had to stay in prison, I had to stay in jail. The judge had told me that I can only be released once the 100,000 is paid. December of 2014, I ended up in prison at, at a maximum facility here in Kenya. That is where my journey started with the prison system. Go through the some of the things that I was going through at that time. Yes. Well, and I'm sure anybody listening to this, Supreme, would, would certainly understand, gosh, you were doing everything you can just to try to help your husband. And and I understand the system there in Nairobi is very different than here. And when we are desperate just to save our loved ones, we do whatever we can to try to get the medical help and to support your family. And so you were going through so much at that time. I can't imagine then also um, ending up in prison because you owed this money and being taken advantage of by this fellow. It's amazing. It was quite a tough time. And, uh, Looking back right now, where from where I sit, I, I don't even know how I managed to go through that period. Having gotten into prison now, it's where the real shocker, you find yourself wanting to make a difference. I was at the remand section for six months, completely idle and completely just sitting and waiting. There are women in our Kenyan prisons who have been in the, at the remand section for 10 years. If they have committed a crime and truly committed a crime, then the process should be very fast so that they are convicted, serve their sentence and get back to the society, as opposed to getting these women to stay over this section for that long time. And any time that you incarcerate a woman, 
you are incarcerating their whole family. Their whole family serves the sentence with you. My daughter had to be left with my sister. And up till now, we are still finding ways to reconnect with my daughter. My sister also has a daughter who is almost the same age as my daughter. So there's a lot of bonding that has happened. She stays with my sister because of that bond that has been created that sometimes is too hard and difficult to, to break. I bet. Well, and how old would your daughter have been when you went to prison? So when I went to prison, my daughter was four years old. I have a very supportive family. Lucky for me, uh, they were able to come together and raise the balance of 100,000 shillings. And then I was let go. But uh, within that six month period, the complainant never showed up. He never showed up to court. It wasn't even fair to be sitting there, going to court, going for mention, and yet he's not showing up. That is our system for you. Yes, so there's gaps in the system. And I just really wanna appreciate that your break in attachment with your daughter and that your daughter thankfully had family to go to. But what I hear is that a lot of times the children are with the parent in prison. Is that because they may not have other family to go and stay with? Yes, many times there are children who serve sentences on with their parents. It is not their crime, yet it is their sentence. And so this child ends up being in the system. Some are born in the system. So they are born in prison and they have to stay there for four years and then they are now taken back to the family. And these children, the mental wellness of these children, they don't even grow up having some of the skills that a normal child will have. Uh, it is very devastating. Are there alternatives? Are there alternatives to incarcerating women, getting these children not to be in the system? Because even this child is never budgeted for. The prison officers have to find ways of getting them good food that is nutritious for them to be able to grow up in a normal way. There are a few changes that are happening now, but we are still way far from getting to where we need to be. Yeah. So even just being able to appreciate that the children are not getting what they need for stimulation, for learning and food and nutrition. So those are pieces that are still elements that you're able to bring forward and and include as part of this. One of the things that really stood out for me is you also have been doing some work going into the prisons and working with these women while in prison. Can you tell us how that came to be? Because I'm trying to imagine getting access to go in and, and help support the women while in prison. After six months when I was released, the desire to make a difference in the lives of this women. And so I started walking, looking for organizations that I saw come into prison to make a difference, to support women. Then I met Teresa, who was just starting up. We met at, we call it the Givenchy Gardens. And that is where we met, that was our first meeting. And from there, um, things changed and uh, we have been together since that time. And so the desire and the drive to be able to, to change the lives of, of women was a passion that drove us. So without finances, without um, proper structures, with an idea, women, we need to make a difference in the lives of these women, just sharing our stories. And uh, and we slowly started building in. The first program that we took to, to prison was the SPEAR program that was run by Resago's Trust. And we managed to do our first training for the girls in 2017 at the Boston institutions. 
Uh, later on in 2018, we did a program uh, at the Langata Women's Prison. And then um, the most interesting and the fun part of it has been training senior prison officers, senior prison officers as an ex-offender, as an ex-inmate, having trained senior prison officers at the Kenya Training Institute and at the same maximum prison where I was incarcerated. So I have been able to train officers. Wow on an attitudinal mindset program that helps them manage behavior in a more positive and successful manner. Wow, that's remarkable. For you to be able to come back and share what your experience was and help maybe teach them empathy for the prisoners, what's that been like? Are they receiving that well or are they open-minded to it? The first two days of the trainings were always a little bit uh, crazy because they wonder this ex-inmate for the ones who knew me. Uh, So what are you trying to tell us? But as the weeks went on, there was a total shift in how they perceived us, even as ex-offenders. And getting them call us uh, their teachers, and we have had breakdowns. We have had officers, and it is a male-dominated field. So we are training men, and we are women. One of the greatest incidences that I will never forget was when we were doing a training at the Kenya Prison Training College and we had uh, two officers who were working in the same office and had not spoken to each other for four years. And after our training, they broke down, reconciled uh, and just decided to work together. That was one of the best moments and that has really stood out in my mind to date. And we didn't even know how to handle it because these are people you perceive to be strong, but now they are breaking down, then you're wondering. It has been quite a highlight in uh, in some of those trainings. Well, you can just hear the human experience of learning in that program to be aware of one another and what we're needing and not just with the prisoners. I can just really appreciate the richness that you are offering in that program. That's that's remarkable. So not only helping these women be able to have programs when they leave and have possible job opportunities, training for careers, setting them up to be able to financially support themselves. I can hear the importance of that, then early intervention from having to go back through that system again. Yes, uh, I'm really hoping that we could be able to, in future, have uh, trained women leaders who can be able to mentor young girls because we realized that in the last few years, the number of young girls who are going into prison has risen and not just for petty offenses. They are the robbery with violence, murder, and some are crimes of passion. So we are hoping that in the next couple of years, we'll be able to train women leaders who can advocate and mentor young girls, show them that there are risks of getting engaging in criminal activities. They go back into society and just share their experiences and just show the young girls that they don't need go to, to go through this system. They have better choices to make and that is make their lives uh, worth living. Well, and what people probably could maybe take from this is just 
the desperation that a lot of people are living in in Nairobi and in certainly other impoverished countries. Uh, having been there a couple of years ago, our daughter uh, is a teacher in Nairobi. Seeing the poverty as you drive along the highway, knowing that everybody is just doing the best they can to survive in many cases, would that be fair? Yes, everyone is just doing what they can to survive in many cases because most people, women who are incarcerated are not in prison because they are really criminals, but they are in prison because they are trying to fend for their families, they are trying to take care of their children. And these are petty offenses like the Liquor Act, that is where you are incarcerated because of the Liquor Act. We need to break that cycle of poverty. We need to empower these women, ensure that they have some they have alternatives, they have other businesses that they are running and that, so that they can be able to get meaningful ways of earning and living as opposed to selling liquor or, or hawking. And these women are just trying the best they can. They are trying the best they can. Yeah. And, and I think that's the piece I really want people to hear because these people would be making other choices if they had other options. And for that reason, I really appreciate what you, the organization Clean Start is doing and what you're doing, Supreme, to help each of these women as they are coming out of prison or helping them even going into the prison and helping the guards learn about empathy, learning how to talk with them and treat them as human beings. I'm curious, Supreme, what have you learned about yourself in this process? If you look back since coming out of prison and now being involved with the Clean Start program yourself as a manager, what has that brought for you? The lessons have been great. The lessons have been great that I have learned over the years. And I think I have truly grown. I have grown from thinking about me, my family and myself. And I've grown to thinking about other people, other people who had it, didn't have the opportunities that I had growing up and seeing those women, yeah? Understanding that the woman who's, who is selling at the, on the street is just somebody else like me. Uh, I think in the past, we I never used to see them because I was so caught up in my own little world of trying to make everything perfect for myself. But I've realized that when you serve others, that is the greatest satisfaction and this, uh, satisfaction you'll ever get in life because you are serving another human being and you are ensuring that they grow and that they are you're, you're making a difference in their lives. So the greatest lesson for me has been looking at other people as opposed to looking at who I am, getting my eyes out there. I love it. Well, and and I think anybody listening to this today probably could take a page from your book and, and be able to understand how can we be thinking beyond just ourselves to be able to look around and think of ways that we could be helping others. They might be listening to this and thinking, well, what can I do? I'm in Canada. How can I help all the way across the world to Kenya? So maybe can you speak to that, Supreme, around anybody listening that might want to get involved or support you in what you're doing in your programs there? What would you suggest they could do? Okay, so um, we are really looking for funding. And today we were launching our first strategic plan, 2020 to 2023. We want support in terms of uh, what I have already told you, the tables of support that are peer-led. It, it costs about $100 to be able to support one woman to start a small business. 
That is um, what we are asking for. And it takes about $50 for one woman to be able to go through the, the circles of healing. So we are asking for funding for our tables of support and for our, um, for our circles of healing. Yes, and it could be also be able to support our little children and young ones in prisons by giving us a donation, $100, $10, $5, whatever somebody is able to get so that we can be able to just ensure that uh, they have their daily meal that is nutritious and they are able to get other things like books and uh, toys and uh, coloring books that they can use to just, even when they're there, to develop skills that they need. Okay, that's really helpful to understand the ways in which that money would be utilized as well. Because I'm picturing like this isn't a one shot deal. Every day, somebody else is another person, another woman is coming into prison, and possibly with one or two children with her. And they're in need because the prison system, the poverty there, there isn't a lot of funding that's put towards that at all. So the things that you folks are doing to try to make a difference, even in small ways, is really, really appreciated just for a simple coloring book for the kids to do, some spend time with, to have toys to stimulate their learning. I really appreciate all that you're doing there, Supreme. Thank you so much. Supreme, thank you so much for just sharing some insights here today and Something that I don't think I knew about until just recently, and that's the kind of thing that this podcast is intended to do, is create awareness, share people's stories, and to be able to highlight where there might be a need for us to reach out as human beings to help one another. So thank you so much for being on here today and taking your time to share what you're doing there. And I really admire the the courage, the rich conversations you're having there, Supreme. So I look forward to hearing about how the program continues. Wow, that will be great. Thank you so much, Cindy. I truly appreciate uh, all the help and support you have given us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been just a pleasure to chat with you today. I just have so much respect for Supreme and sharing her story with us today. What comes to mind is just how much Supreme has discovered about herself on this journey and within her work in supporting others. I can't help wondering if the value that some of these folks are experiencing comes from just knowing that there is connection and also someone who really understands and gets what they've been through. They can relate. The other thing that stood out from our conversation is that where there is significant poverty, as there is in Nairobi and in Kenya, it's important to remember that many individuals are doing all that they can to provide for their families. Hearing about women being imprisoned in Kenya for prostitution, for example, speaks to the desperate measures women might take when they do not see any other options. This is what makes the work of Clean Start so important. Many of you might feel outraged at what you've learned about the current judicial system in Kenya, but I would like to suggest that we take a page from Supreme's experiences and find a way to get involved. Because sometimes when we feel powerless over our circumstances or that of others, it can help us to shift that energy into something that we can have influence over. Remember, we are all rough drafts of the people we are becoming. If you would like to learn more about Clean Start, 
please check out their website at cleanstartkenya.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Resilience Project. We would not be doing this podcast without you. If you or someone you know has an inspirational story or is helping to build resilience in their community, please email me at cindy at a resilienceproject.com. In fact, email me either way. I would love to hear from you. Also, check out my website, aresilienceproject.com, to meet the amazing people who have joined me on these podcasts. Last but not least, a big thank you to Doris Media House for their editing support. As you go about your week, I invite you to think about one way you can continue to grow your resilience muscle. What is one thing you can start doing today? See you next week.